We're in the middle of a sermon series uh, looking at the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, on Sunday mornings. If you have or have not been with us, just to give you a little overview of where we have been and where we're going, um, we started by trying to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Third person of the Trinity started with the Holy Spirit being the one who proceeds from the Father, how the Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and equal with the, uh, with the Son. We looked back into biblical history uh, and saw how the Holy Spirit was pivotal in inspiring the Old Testament scriptures. Giving those scriptures to men to write down. And he carried those men along as they were writing those scriptures. Then over the past several weeks we looked at how the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. How the Holy Spirit uh, regenerates sinners. A few weeks ago we talked about how the Holy Spirit seals us. How when that happens he claims us as his own. And last week we looked at how the Holy Spirit fills believers. And what that looks like in the life of a believer. And you can go back and listen to any of those if you have not been here. But this week we're going to continue to look at the Holy Spirit. And in the passage we're going to look at this morning, Jesus is going to tell us something very specific what the Holy Spirit does. And that's our big idea of the message this morning. And your title, it says the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. In the section of scripture that we're reading, and you can, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to John 16. That's where we're going to be this morning. Um, Jesus is speaking with the disciples. And from John chapter 13 through John 17, uh, this would be the night before Jesus is arrested, ultimately before his crucifixion. Uh, John is there with the disciples, and he shares this story in these chapters in his book that we have. And at this point, I would say that the disciples don't fully understand, they don't grasp what is happening on this night. They know it's a lot different than other nights, but they don't understand that Jesus had to die. Even though Jesus had told them uh, continually that he was going to die, they didn't understand it in this moment. They didn't understand why he had to die for the sins in order to uh, bring about salvation to that. They didn't understand in this moment what was fully taking place, everything that was going on. But it was in these moments that Jesus will begin to comfort the disciples. He will begin to encourage them to continue to believe in him, to continue to believe in Jesus. And that he's going to let them in on a little secret, one that uh, is going to catch them off guard. He says, listen, very soon I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm going to leave. But then I'm going to send a helper to be with you. And we saw this from John chapter 14. You can flip back just a few pages there. I think it's on the screen though. It says this. Jesus says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. And when you think about this moment with these men, this would have been a very difficult spot. Jesus is bringing up some things that would be very hard for them to grasp. And just a few verses prior to what we are reading this morning, he tells them, 
I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I don't know know about you, but for me, if here we have God with us, Emmanuel, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, here on earth, with you, walking with you, performing miracles with you, all of these signs and wonders, proving of who he was, and all of a sudden he says, I'm going away. And it's for your good that I go away. I mean, you think about the things that he taught them. All the things he pointed them to. Talking about heaven. Talking about how to get there. Um, All of the miracles. All the things that they must have seen. He taught them how to pray. And how to ask in his name. And that it would be granted to them. So for them to hear in this moment, I'm leaving you. But it's for your good that I go away. That would have been a very hard truth for them to grasp. And so let's read our passage this morning and ask God to help it to make sense to us. So uh, starting in verse 12, chapter 16, the book of John. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, we pray that... um, You would help this passage to make sense to us. Uh, We pray that our eyes would be open, that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be open to hear from you this morning. And as we hear those things, uh, as you help it to give us understanding for what you're telling us, I pray that it would give us a desire to uh, become more like your son Jesus in any way that we can. And we ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So as we come to the text uh, this morning, um, before we get into the two main points, I do want us to answer a few questions in regards to this passage. And the, few, the two questions I have is, what are the many things that Jesus needed to say to them, and why couldn't the disciples bear them now? So first of all, what are these many things that Jesus mentioned here? If you look back in John 15, 15, Jesus tells his disciples, All that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And now Jesus is telling them, I still have many more things to say to you. Uh, So which is it? Because if you think about it, these guys must have thought that they were drinking from from the fire hydrant over the past three years. Many of the things that they had learned in the past, Jesus has completely flipped it on its head. And they feel like they have just been drinking from the fire hydrant over the past three years as they learned at the feet of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he tells them, all that I've heard from the Father, I've made known to you. And now he's saying, I have a whole lot more to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. You're going to have to wait. So what's the answer? 
Does he still have many things to say? Or has he told them all? The answer is yes, okay? Uh, yes, everything up to this point that the Father wanted the disciples to know up to this point, he had made known to them. But there were still many truths that he was going to reveal to them after that was the plan, after he goes back to the Father and when he sends the Holy Spirit. But they couldn't bear them now. So why couldn't they bear them now? The word bear here literally, when you translate it, literally means to carry. Means to, these are not, this is not something that you can carry right now. So why, wouldn't, why couldn't they carry it? And this text really does not say what they are. Landon and I sat in my office this week and we had some discussions on what are these things that may have come. Maybe he was um, going to use the Holy Spirit to direct the disciples after the fact, after he had ascended back to the Father, to start connecting the dots in the Old Testament scriptures that point forward to what Jesus accomplished or will accomplish at this point on the cross. He wants them to make those connections. He wants them to look into the Old Testament scriptures, be able to read those scriptures and see how those things pointed forward to the atoning work that Jesus would accomplish on the cross. So maybe he's pointing it forward. He wants to connect those dots. Much like we see Jesus do after his ascension when he does with the men on the road to Emmaus. He walks with these men. He does not let them know who he is in this moment. And he begins pointing back to the Old Testament scriptures, to these men, connecting the dots to who Jesus was, to what had taken place. And then it says their eyes were opened to see the truth of who Jesus was. Maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe he's talking about how the Holy Spirit would inspire them to write the New Testament. The books that we have to now, that we have now, I mean, including the Gospels, including after. Maybe he's talking about, there's a lot of things that I want to tell you, but you're going to have to wait. And the Holy Spirit would inspire many of these men sitting in the room with him at this moment to write the scriptures that we have in the New Testament. Maybe it was in regards to the ministry that would catch all of them off guard in regards to... The message of the gospel being for not just the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. This would have been a new thing for all people. Not just the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. So maybe that would have been something that he was pointing them forward to. And maybe it was in regards to the church. Laying the foundations of the church. The types of people that you put in leadership in a church. Maybe... Those are the types of revelations that he's talking about. And in essence, I would say that all those answers are correct. Because those are all things that will come after when the Holy Spirit comes. When he reveals it to the disciples. Those other things. So, he's telling the disciples. I have a whole lot more to tell you. But not yet. The time will come, but you can't bear it right now. So, hold on. So, let's look at our first point. The Holy Spirit guides believers to the truth. Guides believers to the truth. Look at verse 12 one more time. It says, I still have many things to say to you. You cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. 
Like I said earlier, uh, speaking with the disciples in the upper room, the passage here is in this section from 13 to 17 is John's, it's the longest passage in the Gospels in regards to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in our life. And the emphasis here, Jesus is pointing to the Holy Spirit being the Spirit of truth. And Jesus wanting to make known to his disciples that once he sends the Holy Spirit, he wanted this Holy Spirit to strengthen them, to encourage them, to equip them. But ultimately, he's giving it to them to guide them to the truth. What would that look like? For the apostles, it would look different in their immediate future than it is for us today. Let me make sense of what I mean. Many things, when Jesus is telling them, when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and give you the truth that will eventually lead to the New Testament. The things that we have in the New Testament. Through the apostles, the Holy Spirit would guide them. He would bring to their minds the thing, all the things that Jesus had told them. All the, uh, as they sat along the road. As they camped. As they went from city to city. All the things that he had said to them in all these moments. He's going to help them to remember those things. It would be a very special way that the Holy Spirit would work in their lives so that they would, he would inspire the scriptures and for them to write the scriptures. It's different for us today. Today the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to believers through scripture. He revealed scripture to them. He reveals truth through scripture to us. Today, the Holy Spirit is with believers uh, as He guides them to the, God's Word. As they open up their Bibles, as they read them. And you think about it, when you are reading Scripture, you are reading the very words that came from God, from Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Trinity working in all ways. We see that. And then written down by these men. All of these things came from God. And he, in the Holy Spirit, guides us to these truths. As we read them, he helps it to have meaning to us. He helps it to, for us to understand it. You know, I think that's a pretty good measuring stick for believers today. Am I really a believer? Do I really follow Jesus? Uh, I think if you do... Hopefully, you have a desire and a longing to spend time in God's Word. That's a pretty good mark for a believer. To want to hear the words from God, from the Son, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to us from the apostles in Scripture. Do we want to spend time in it? We'll touch a little bit on that a little bit later. But look at verse 13 again. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. So what does the Holy Spirit mean when He will guide you into all the truth? Um, does that mean that everything that I believe is true? Is that from, from God? Is that, can I get anything wrong there? Uh, let me tell you what he's not doing. He's not guiding you to the, all the truth about geology. 
He's not guiding you into all the truth about uh, how to put your kids' Lego sets together, right? He's not guiding you to do your son's sixth grade fraction homework in a different way than you learned how to do it 30 years ago. Can I just tell you that I really wish the Holy Spirit would help me with that? Because I tell him how to do it, and he's like, that's not how the teacher said to do it. It's like, just do it this way. It gets you the right answer, I promise. He's not guiding us in that truth. He reveals to us today things such as the truth of God, who God is, the truth about the Trinity. Uh, When we think about knowledge of the church, we think about uh, worship, when we think about doctrine, God's word, when we think about uh, Christian living, he reveals those things to us and he reveals those things to us through the scriptures, through the Bible. He shows us how to... Those truths in the Bible. So, but in regards to the apostles, he is telling them what is coming from the Father, what is coming from me, we are going to make known to you, but through the Holy Spirit, we're going to give those things to you. Uh, John 14 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, the sad reality is I went to lunch with a buddy on uh, Monday. We had a great conversation. We went to lunch. We, we sat and talked for about an hour and a half. Great conversation. And that night I went home and my wife said, hey, where'd you have lunch? Okay, Who, who'd you have lunch with? What'd y'all talk about? And there's a few things I remembered. But I was like, uh, yeah, okay. I don't remember everything that we talked about. And this was in a four or five hour period of time. Now, maybe that's just my age, and I'm getting old, and I'm forgetting things. But I couldn't remember in just a few hours everything that we had talked about. And yet it says, here in John 14, Jesus says, He will teach you and bring to your remembrance everything that I've taught you. Everything that I want you to write down, He's going to bring to your remembrance all those things. The promise to these men... I am sending you the spirit of truth. He will reveal truth to you even after more, even more after I have left. It's a promise of the New Testament that we have today. The Holy Spirit would bring to their remembrance everything that Jesus had said so that they could write it down so that through that uh, Holy Spirit we would have the New Testament. Next, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth who will never contradict himself. Will never contradict himself the Bible and the Holy Spirit are not in competition with one another they complement each other Um, the Holy Spirit is never going to tell you to do something that scripture very specifically tells you not to do the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you that uh, you should have more than one wife because the Bible specifically says that you should not. You know, I, I've had many family members who have told me over the years that um, I don't have to go to church to worship God. And I always push back against that. I was like, well, the Bible specifically tells us that you should meet together and worship. It, it's very specific. 
So I don't think the Holy Spirit would say, don't go to church where the Bible says specifically that you should. Now, we're very thankful for our online service so that if there are people who are sick, if there are people who are not able to come to church, they can still worship with us. And it's, but you will always hear people say, it's not the same. It's going to be a church. So the Holy Spirit and the Bible are not going to contradict one another. They work together. Uh, and so uh, when we think about the Holy Spirit, when we think about the Bible, they work together. They do not contradict each other. And this leads to our main point this morning. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit wants nothing more than for Jesus to get the glory for Jesus to be the focus of our attention, for, to be the focus of our thoughts, for our affections. He wants them to be geared towards Jesus. To lead us to the very one who is the truth. He does this. Look at verse 14. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. I love how Jesus here in this moment, he's pointing to the Trinity. Father sends me. I speak to you. The Holy Spirit will take what I have said to him and say what I've said to you. And he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. But he works in complete harmony with the Father and with the Son. He doesn't speak on his own authority, but he works in complete harmony with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is here to do the will of the Father. He's here to do the will of the Son. All things, everything uh, that we have talked about over the last several weeks. How he convicts of sin, how he regenerates sinners, how he seals us, how he fills us. All of those things, all an activity of the Holy Spirit. Everything he does is in complete unity with the Father and with the Son. He doesn't speak on his own with his own agenda. He doesn't have his own agenda. He only speaks what the Father and the Son have said. You know, sadly, I think uh, it's become very popular in our world today that the Holy Spirit gets blamed for a lot of things. The Holy Spirit gets blamed for uh, being the wild child of the Trinity, right? Like we have... Uh, the father who's up in heaven and he has a suit on and he's all business and he has a bunch of rules and he's mad and we've messed up and he sends the son and the son is like this long-haired hippie guy who shows up and he just loves everyone and he cares for everyone and he wants to show grace and mercy to everyone and he doesn't want to offend everyone. Don't judge, that wouldn't be cool. So I'm not going to do that. And then we have the Holy Spirit who's just this out of control, you never know what's going to happen when he shows up, entity of this part of God. Can I just tell you that that's baloney? The Father, the Son... And the Holy Spirit work in complete harmony with one another. They go together. And he says here, the, the Holy Spirit will say exactly what the Father and I have said. It's not the way it is. The Holy Spirit works in harmony with the Father and the Son. The Bible, Jesus actually says about himself, back in John chapter 5, Jesus is speaking, uh, he's talking about, when the Pharisees accuse him of blasphemy after he heals someone on the Sabbath, 
And he says in uh, John chapter 5, verse 19, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. Jesus saying, listen, I, don't, I can't even do things on my own. Only what he sees, uh, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that's the, what the Son does likewise. I do exactly what the Father tells me. And here in this moment, he's saying that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He does exactly what he sees the Father and the Son doing and what the Father and Son is saying. Jesus is saying, I can't and I won't do anything apart from the Father. And the Spirit does not as well. So what's his aim? What's his focus? To glorify the Son, to give honor and glory to Jesus Christ. So how does he do that? By revealing the truth of who Jesus is. By pointing us to the cross. By pointing us to the truth of what took place on the cross when he took your sin and my sin upon his shoulders and he paid the death, or he paid the price for the death. He, he died in our place. He lived the life that we were unable to. He died the death that we deserved in order to give us life. And that's what the Holy Spirit points us to, what Jesus had accomplished on, a, on the cross. We're reading a book as a staff and elders right now called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And this week just so happened to be on the subject of the Holy Spirit and how he testifies to the truth of who Jesus is. Perfect timing. But he says in, in the book, he, says, uh, he points out, he says, Were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, there would be no faith, there would be no church, there would be no Christianity in the world at all. I want you to just... Let that sink in for a second. Were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, there would be no faith, no church, no Christianity in the world. When I think about my salvation experience, uh, my testimony, uh, I, had, I was a junior in high school, and I was asked to go to a revival service in the small town that I grew up in. And at this revival, my friend says, hey, you need to come to this revival service. I said, okay, what is a revival service? You know, whatever. Um, he said, all right, here's why you need to come. There's going to be pizza. There's going to be wrestling. There's going to be girls. In that order. And so I was like, well, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good list there. Pizza, wrestling, and girls. And so I go to this revival service, and I ate a lot of pizza, and I watched some pastors dress up in tights and wrestle each other, and let me just say, not impressed, but uh, I was too shy to talk to the girls, so it wasn't too bad. But then we go to the service that night, and I hear the truth about who God is, how he was my creator, heard the truth about how he created me in his image. Then I heard the truth about who I was as a sinner. How I had turned my back on my creator. How I'd done things in my own way. And that it left to myself, I was separated from God. And I would be punished for my sins. But I also heard how God so loved me that he sent his son to die in my place. I heard the truth of the gospel. And uh, maybe you've had this type of a moment. Maybe you haven't. But uh, I could feel 
the Holy Spirit. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at that time, but just convicting me of my sin. And sitting right there in that church, and I held tightly to uh, the pew in front of me, uh, my heart pounding out of my chest. Uh, He gave uh, the option for us to follow Jesus, and I said, yes. And my life has been forever changed. Now, after that night, which was, was a great night, I got a copy of God's Word. I started reading it. They told me to start in the gospel, so I did. I learned a lot about Jesus. In learning about Jesus, I learned about the Father, the Father's plan. And in that, I get to this point, and I'm like, this is all brought about by the Holy Spirit. All of it. How He has been at work in my life from the very beginning. Fred Sanders says it like this. So when the Holy Spirit, the life-changing Lord of all, effectively effectively accomplished his work in our hearts and minds, he unveils the fact that he has already been at work in us as he has been successfully directing our attention to Jesus. So the whole time, hearing and learning the truth about Jesus, hearing and learning the truth about the Father, God's call on my life to repent and trust in Jesus for salvation, my heart pounding out of my chest, All of that came about because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And without the Holy Spirit, that does not happen. Drawing us to Jesus, pointing us to Jesus the entire time. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no faith, there would be no new birth, uh, and again, no Christians. It's been the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth that has been drawing you And pointing you to Jesus every step of your life. And yes, that means when you have a desire on Monday morning. When it's really early and your alarm clock goes off at 5. And you would rather hit snooze and go back to sleep than wake up. And spend time with the Lord by reading his, his Bible. It's the Holy Spirit who says, come on. Let's do this. You think we would have a desire to do that on our own? It's the Holy Spirit who draws us to Jesus. Who wants us to spend time to Jesus. Who points us to Jesus. So how do we respond? How do we respond? First of all, we read the word of truth. Do you take the word of God seriously? Do you view the word of God as the inspired and breathed out. Inspired word of truth. From the spirit of truth. uh, That he gave to us. And once we read it, he helps it to make sense to us. It's the Holy Spirit's work in that the entire time. Do we take spending time in God's word seriously? 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God teaches us. It corrects us. It equips us for ministry. And we need to realize it's the Holy Spirit that has given us these words. But it's not good enough just to read it. Secondly, let's look at this. We need to obey the word of truth. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, not just not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Uh, when I memorized this scripture 
uh, in youth group growing up, I learned it in the NIV. And it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. It's not good enough just to read it. We have to obey it. And the Holy Spirit gives us that desire to do that. It's the Holy Spirit who's given us this truth. He directs us to the truth. He helps it to make sense in our life. And we should have a desire to read it and to obey it. And lastly, we should have a desire to share the word of truth. Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room that he was going to send a helper. Someone who would come to them and share the truth from himself. The truth from the Father. What he would accomplish on the cross. He would raise on the, uh, on the third day. And before he ascends to the Father, he gives his disciples this command. He says this, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How is he with us? Through the Holy Spirit. He's with us in his word. He guides us, directs us. He lives inside of us. The truth is, we have zero clue where the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life. Thankfully, we cannot save anyone. It's the Holy Spirit that draws sinners to himself. It's the Holy Spirit who uh, draws people to the truth of God's word. We are commanded to go and to share the gospel with the world. And I think we need to be found faithful in that. We cannot save anyone. But he commands us to go and to share the gospel. Boyce tells us this. As you study the Bible, the Holy Spirit will continue to do the work he began in an authoritative way with the inspiration of the New Testament documents. The Holy Spirit, the true author of these books, will lead you to see the Lord Jesus Christ and bring you to the point of increasing obedience and service to him. He will continue to direct you to increasing obedience and service to him. And speaking about the Holy Spirit, one of the biggest movements of the Holy Spirit we see in Scripture is Pentecost. Um, the Holy Spirit being given to believers and Peter preaches uh, and thousands come to repentance. But as Christians, we don't have an ordinance to celebrate Pentecost. We do have an ordinance to celebrate a few things. One being baptism. We just talked about baptism. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we baptize a believer, it's a picture of someone dying to their old self, their old sinful self, and raising to live a new life in Jesus Christ. Pointing to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. You're buried with Christ in baptism. You're raised to walk in a newness of life. The other one we celebrate is the Lord's Supper. Again, pointing to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And when we celebrate baptism and when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I don't think it should be a surprise to any of us that those things, baptism and Lord's Supper, point us and give, it gives glory to Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. So this morning we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Um, I just want to be clear before we take the Lord's Supper that the Lord's Supper is not open to anyone and everyone. 
Uh, as we do think about the Lord's Supper this morning, and one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son and the work that He accomplished on the cross. And as Jesus commands His disciples that they were to remember that work that He accomplished every time that they were to take the Lord's Supper. So if you're here this morning and if you have been convicted of sin, if you have repented of your sin and put your faith and trust alone in Jesus for salvation and you've been obedient to him in, uh, in baptism and being baptized, we invite you to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us at this time. If that's not you, I just want to invite you uh, after the service, please come speak to one of the pastors. We would love to share uh, what Jesus has done and what the Lord's Supper is a picture of, we would love to share that with you and so that you could follow him. So, uh, before we take the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians tells us that we should examine ourselves. And so I want to give you a moment to pray. And as you pray and you think about your life, I want you to examine your heart before we take this Lord's Supper and, and prepare yourself to take it this morning.